Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Destructive new. Oh, hold on for a second. You got the Super Bowl hangover voice. You got your sh- your you playing the Thought Warriors. Again. The Thought Warriors know what's up. When Big Rach comes in with the horse voice, that means she worked hard and she played harder. That's exactly what that means. Did you call them the Throat Warriors? Because <laughs> that's a totally different podcast. You can't. <laughs> Shut up. I bet we do have some throat warriors. I bet we do have some throat warriors. No, no. We only have thought warriors. I bet there's there's gotta be some throat warriors out there. Like, but I gotta be honest with you. Your like your your voice. Don't start this. You like Ken Griffey Jr., man. You like you remember Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. got hurt one time swinging the bat. Okay, like swinging the bat, he got hurt. Like it was like we love Ken. Ken could do everything. Five two player, but he was just injury prone. Swinging the bat, he hurt himself. It's like King Griffey Jr. out for the season, tore his hip. Swinging the bat, <laughs> lack of sleep, drinking, talking all day. That's a triple. That's a combination of I'm gonna have a hoarse voice. I I did it three days in a row. Actually, since Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was working hard, but I had a good time too. Did you have a good Super Bowl weekend? It was cool. Did you go to the actual game? No, I'm not down for that. You're not down for what? I mean, unless like I all I kept hearing was two hours to get there, three hours to get out. I want no parts of that. I want to sit at home. I want to watch it with the, like less than 10 people. I want to hear the commercials, watch and hear the halftime show, watch the game. I don't want people talking over me. That's how I like to watch it. <sighs> Super Bowl weekend was good. I'm glad it's over. Same. Uh, glad it's over. My feet hurt. You know. Hey, what are you doing? Just, just walking around a different um walking around different places. Hey, Van, hey, haven't seen you around. Oh, Van. Oh, ooh, man. Okay. See, the pandemic was like, yeah, man. Pandemic. No, stop. I'm just very. I'm sick of justifying how much weight I've gained to people. I'm not coming back outside for months. I don't care. No. How about you? Don't justify anything. You just keep it moving and do your thing. You ain't got to explain anything to anybody out here. Okay. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. You're Speaking good. Of that, I dropped it on on Instagram today. Fat, crazy, and tires. The book name. It's coming out uh, April twenty second. 2022 fat crazy and tired okay that's the book congratulations i put the cover of the book up uh yes and and now my book manager people are trying to get in there and do their whole thing so yes about it's about a lot of things but it's also about me doing that kind of stuff right there rachel wait can you pre-order it now you can pre-order it now where can people go to pre-order no come on let's promote this right where can people go to pre-order later before i get to that I want to talk about Miss Me With That a little bit. First of okay. all, I didn't realize I was gonna my name was going to be mentioned in the book. It's just briefly. You, you didn't ask. I don't need to. <laughs> you, 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 you didn't That's ask. That's funny. I should I, have to I sign something. I thought you'd be pleased. I thought you'd be pleased. No, but I will tell you. I'll tell you what. I've read parts of this, and I'm wondering what the judge thinks of some of this wild-ass shit that you got in this book. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't think you were going, like, I'm wondering. It's not what that the wild. F- 
Some of it's wild, Rachel. Some of it's kind of wild. <laughs> I definitely didn't tell the wild parts of my life in that book. Then why not? Some some of it some of it's wild. I'm gonna be honest with you. There's some parts like we. I, I get to I get to know. I love the copper stuff, by the way. I get to know. Uh, I get to know you, but but some of it's wild. Have has, have you heard from your parents about the book at all? Uh, to a point in the book, my What'd mom they say? asked me who one of the people was, and that's that was it. Did you tell her? <laughs> of course. Did she? But I prepped so, my parents before over Christmas time that I was going to be talking about sex in the book. Right. Like I let them it's know tough. before, yeah. but it ain't no like graphic novel or anything. It's just very, and everything has a point, like a purpose. I'm not just talking about it for the sake of talking about it. Right. Those stories right. aren't in the book. <laughs> Getting a little saucy. Look at you. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're doing, we're doing big things over here. Speaking of relationships, Kanye West and Julia Fox broke up. I was that an announcement? Yeah, they broke up. It's over. Well, I, I mean, everybody saw. Oh, it just happened! Breaking news! Breaking news! They broke the fuck up, Kanye West. And I mean, Julia Fox. my God, when you're going to send a car to Kim's house with roses in the back of the truck. That says the message is crystal clear, spelled crystal clear, spelled with K's. I mean, at this point, he's already begged on stage for Kim while he's with Julia. Julia, do yourself a favor. It's embarrassing at this point. You got your fame. You got the attention. You got your Birkin. And keep it moving. This elevated her status. Uh, as she said as much, she said, she said, this is what Julia Fox said about this. And I want to make sure that we talk about this because... Uh, if this were a black woman, the internet would be fucking going nuts uh, based upon what like what she said. Julia Fox said, uh, y'all would love if I was so upset. The media would love to paint a picture of me as a sad, lonely woman crying on a plane by myself, but it's not true. Why not see me for me? Why not see me for what I am, which is the number one hustler? I came up, y'all. LOL. And not only that, but me and Kanye are on good terms. I have love for him, but I certainly wasn't in love with the man, Jesus Christ. What do you guys think I am? 12 years old. For the record, the only time I cried was in 2022. Uh, and that was on February 6th, my dead BFF's birthday. Anyway, if you want the full tea, you're going to have to buy the book when it comes out. Now. There you go. <laughs> she played her part. She played her part. She played her part. She played her part. Now, we'll say this. I've seen people. Nobody's really. Look. A lot of what Julia Fox said, that's, like, first of all, it's all her business, right? It's all her business. Right. You know, it's very put out there for public consumption. But a lot of that stuff that she said in there, had that been a lady from Loving Hip Hop or had that been a lady from any of these other places that said, hey, I dated this guy, I, quote unquote, came up, and if you really want the real story, I'm going to put it in my book. They would be dragging her. If she were black, I'm sorry to, th- to think of, they would be dragging her sure. ass across the coals right now. Sure, sure. Dragging they were calling her, her all kinds of names. All kinds of names when all she did was just play her part. Play her part. And, and like, if you don't think Kanye was using her for something, she used Kanye for exactly what she wanted. She got it. I'm not mad yeah. at Julia. But yeah. you're so right about a black woman, though. I'm not mad at Julia either. I don't, uh, I, I'm not mad because I don't give a fuck. 
No, I know. Like, 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 yeah, what, what would have, what would have, what, what would have to happen for me to be mad about it? You know, they broke up. Kanye's trying to get back with him. That's all. That's it for that little corner. I just thought that was an interesting piece of uh, information that just dropped. What was the best Super Bowl commercial? Go ahead and tell me. Um, you don't watch them. I'm gonna say the Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd one, the Lay's chips. Oh, was good. Is that? Yeah, they weren't. They weren't that great. They get it worse and worse. Big names in them, but like not that entertained. Can I have old man corner real quick, Donnie? We do this old man corner thing. Can I have an old man corner just real quick, Rach? Sure, sure, sure. Super Bowl commercials ain't what they used to be. It's old Speak man corner. It. Okay. Here's the deal. There were a couple of these commercials I liked. Anything involving a dog, I like it. Bozeman has changed me. I have a soft spot for dogs. If I see you jake jack your dog by his collar, I'll tell you about yourself. Hey, don't do that. Okay? Let him sniff the shit. The Robo Dog commercial was my favorite one because I was helping oh, that little that pup cute. found his way to the electric car so he could charge himself up. Needs a recharge. But I'll tell you one thing. And back in my day, back in my day, Super Bowl commercials weren't just an excuse to throw as many fucking famous people in a commercial as possible. We had Clydesdale horses. We had cool ideas. We had the Uh what's up guys. We had amazing animals. There were some celebrities. Yeah, sure. But it wasn't just, hey, we got Salma Hayek and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hey, we got Paul Rudd, even though I like that one. Hey, we got Kevin Hart. Hey, we got all of these people. You can judge the fact that society is becoming celebrity obsessed by the fact that when they want to sell you something, all they feel like they have to do is throw a famous person in the ad and you'll buy whatever they say that they buy. They don't even have to do anything fucking creative anymore. To get you out of your seat is just do whatever a celebrity says do. I am pissed about it. I did not enjoy the fact that the Super Bowl commercials were lacking in creativity, but overdosing with celebrity appeal. That's my old man rant for today. I'm sick of that. I didn't like that. Am I wrong, Rachel? You are not wrong. I'm surprised you didn't say you um, liked the Sopranos one. Did you see it? It, 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 uh, I saw it, but once again, the Sopranos commercial to me is one of the worst things about the Super Bowl commercial. Like the Sopranos things is one of the worst thing about it. So it's either celebrity nostalgia or celebrity plus nostalgia. The Sopranos ain't got nothing to do with no motherfucking car. I don't give a fuck about that. The well, that's actually not true because it he it was this opening song. Yeah, the show uh, yeah. itself doesn't, but he's driving in a car. So it was yeah, so what? So it was reminiscent to the opening scene. Like that's yeah. it made sense to me for a car because he's driving in a car in the entire yeah. opening credit. Okay. It made, also in it the made Sopranos, sense. they lived in a house. So why don't you just oh, try to sell me a house no, based upon an episode of the Sopranos? But she's listening to the song in the car like as she he drives did. To, as she drives and, to see Robert Island, which is cool. It, 
All of it that's makes, cool. No, you can't. The car part made sense. I, I'm not no. saying it was my favorite commercial. No, what it I'm made saying sense. Is they're using this. What I'm saying is they're using that, which is iconic, to sell a car. The show yes. is about so much more than trying to okay. sell you something. The show is about I entanglements know. between generations and families. It's about real human shit. It's about the difference between trying to get healthy uh, uh, mentally, and it's about repugnancy, and it's about all of these things. And I don't, you can't, you don't use it to sell me a car. It's just fucking Sopranos, okay. man. I'll take the nostalgia part more than I'll just take throwing in a celebrity. I, I, that's what I will take. But I agree with you. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. You're not wrong at Old Man's Corner today. Like, the commercials yeah. were not, were lacking. They were lacking. 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 All right, let's take a break and get back to the big deal of the day. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Okay. Big deal of the day comes once again from New York Mayor Eric Adams. <laughs> is, this your, is he your favorite mayor? It's not even close. <laughs> what? Of course I love uh, Mayor Sharon Weston Broom of Baton Rouge, but that's because she's awesome. I love Randall Woodfin, Birmingham, but that's because he's awesome. But as far as mayor fuckery, this is the best guy. That's yeah, actually his name. <laughs> yeah. His name is Mayor Fuckery. This is his name. Eric Adams, Mayor Fuckery. Okay. Uh, I'm not so sure this is fuckery, what he's doing right here, though. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Uh, he is voicing his concerns about alarming drill music. During a press conference on Friday, Eric Adams expressed his concern for the Brooklyn drill scene linking it to gun violence and urging social media companies to remove material related to the alarming rap subgenre from their platforms. This is the audio. Listen to Mayor. And I had no idea what drill rapping was, but I called my son and he sent me some videos and it is 
alarming. And we are going to pull together the social media companies and sit down with them and state that you have a civic and corporate responsibility. You know, I mean, we pulled Trump off Twitter because of what he was spewing. Yet we are allowing uh, uh, music, displaying of guns, violence. We're allowing it to stay uh, on these sites uh, because look at the victims. We're bringing them in. We're going to show exactly what is being uh, displayed and we are alarmed by it. Uh, we are alarmed by the use of social media to really over-proliferate this violence in our community. Okay, so that seems to be an indictment of the drill music scene. First of all, let's, let's take it from the beginning. Rachel, are you familiar with the drill music scene at all? I had never heard of it. <laughs> you had never <laughs> heard of drill music at all? No, I had never heard of it. But when I looked into it, I was like, oh, I mean, obviously I recognize names of it. I didn't realize that that was a certain category of music. I didn't know that was a certain genre. I had no idea. But I recognize some of the people who originated it. Right, right. So but go ahead. Explain so what, what I'm not going to explain it. I mean, what do you so Why not? Our audience, I, I guarantee you a lot of people don't know what drill music is. Really? Interesting. Okay. I was about oh, I, to bring in Trudy or Donnie, but I bet they knew. Yeah, bring <laughs> in Trudy, let, let's, let's bring in Trudy they... and Donnie. Trudy and Donnie. Bring jump in right now. Do you guys are you guys aware of drill? I became aware of it because of Pop Smoke. Okay. Okay, because of Pop Smoke. I was like Rachel, I became aware of it once this story became a story. I was aware yes! of names, but yes! I didn't know that it was a genre called drill music. Right. Who knew Chief Keith? Was a part of drill music. Yeah. I had no idea. I was outside. Are you booth. guys fucking kidding me? Are, am I like? Are you being like? Are, sometimes is this I real? Think, no. Sometimes I think that you think because you know it, like it's so widespread that everybody knows it. You know a lot of like random little things. I had no idea. Of course, I'm familiar with Chief Keith. I had no idea that he had his own category of music. Interesting. Okay. Now, get at me, get at me if I didn't know who Chief Keith was. Well, I'm not getting that. First of all, I'm not getting at anyone. I, it is surprising. You to literally me. go, Are you fucking kidding? Well, I'm not, that's not to get, that's not really to get at you guys. I'm that surprised. There's, first of all, let's talk about drill music. Drill, drill music originated in Chicago, right? So you got Chief Keith, you got Lil Reese, you got Lil Jojo, you got Recipes Jojo, and all of these guys who were in the drill came out of Chicago. They are now different subgenres of drill there's london drill london drill which which obviously the london drill sound got over there then there became brooklyn drill brooklyn drill is what was, was what pop smoke was into all kinds of drill artists out there you know you got guys like pop smoke you got sleepy hollow you got it going on all over the place drill music has been heavily associated with gangs let's be real with you gangs Gang lifestyle, gang warfare in Chicago, even in Brooklyn. All right. So when you talk about drill artists, you typically talk about music that has a lot of imagery that has. Don't get me wrong. It's good music to vibe to in the club. It for sure is. But the imagery and some of the sounds and some of the the, the subjects that they talk about drill are violent. Right. If you're talking about, hey, this all some of this stuff talking about smoking on this guy and smoking on that guy. If you guys have heard that in rap. It's like, hey, we smoking on this pack. We smoking on that pack. 
like dissing people's dead homies, dead brothers, dead parents sometimes in rap songs and further stoking escalation that exists not just on rap records, but also in the streets of places like Jacksonville, Florida, uh, even some some here in L.A., Brooklyn, New York, where Pop Smoke was gang affiliated. And then, of course, in Chicago, where it all originates from that is what we're talking about. Drill. When we're talking about drill, we're always talking. We're also talking about bodies. Right. We're talking about guys who have passed away. We're talking about the death of King Vaughn. We're talking about the death of FBG Duck. We're talking about the death of little Jojo. We're talking about the guys in Jacksonville shooting each other up. We don't know about the whether or not drill music or any type of gang affiliation had anything to do with the death of Pop Smoke. That's unclear. He was killed out here. It looks like more of a robbery gone wrong type of situation, but we don't really know. Um, there's been a lot of talk about drill music and the influence on drill of drill music uh, in hip hop right now on the youth and how that is affecting people. Uh, the prevalence of guns in it, the prevalence of violence in it, the prevalence of not just dissing somebody on wax, but dissing the people that they know that your gang or your side has killed. A lot of these terms you're talking about, my ops, you know what I'm saying? Getting caught lacking, smoking, all of that stuff. It comes from the, the influence of really, of drill music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are people out there beyond what the mayor is talking about that have started to talk about whether or not this particular subgenre of rap is a bridge too far in terms of its place in hip hop. There's, there's a guy, a DJ named DJ Drewski who said he's not going to play any drill anymore because the, the music seems to be propagating the cycle of violence. uh, That is real world to a lot of people just based upon what you know about this entire situation, Rachel, what are your thoughts? I got to applaud the mayor. You know, we've talked about music and gun violence on this podcast, and we've talked about the need for influential rappers in the community to step up and do something because we talked about how there's a correlation between the two. So here you have a mayor who sees this type of music being uh, prevalent in, in the community that he has leadership over. And he wants to do something about it. He was unfamiliar with it. Once he became familiar with it, he said, this has got to stop. And if I have the power to do something, I'm going to do it. I love that he's calling on influential rappers to join him to make this stop. I love to see DJ Drewski saying, you know what? I'm going to use whatever power I have to stop this. And also it's bringing awareness to a type of music that myself and Donnie, and I'm sure many others out there were unaware of. I mean, I'm thinking of the Chief Keith song. That's uh, that's that shit I don't like. And he and now I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, he literally says in the song, "Bang bang," over and over again. I didn't realize that that was a part of um, uh, drill music. And I also read that drill. Another name for drill music is kill music. You could it's it's both. And so I think that what he's doing is extremely commendable. And I hope that it starts a chain reaction where people are saying, "Hey." There's been a lot of violence in these streets. We're seeing a lot of people get killed. We literally just had a shooting in L.A. at the after party of Justin Bieber's show uh, this Super Bowl weekend. 
it's got where rappers were coming out. There was a scuffle. It involved Kodak Black and his friends. It's unaware if he actually did get shot. I don't think that's been confirmed, but it is speculated. Four people were shot outside of an, a restaurant. You know, you you can't say that the music and the gun violence aren't in some way related. And I think, then you said it very well one time we were talking about it on this podcast of people being desensitized to it because the music is it's so prevalent in the music. Huh. So here's the thing. Number one, I don't want to paint all of this or drill itself. Right. So what I'm saying is a lot of the slang that we see in it's, the Jacksonville music isn't by definition drill music right but a lot of the slang that we see in the the sectioning up and the size that we see it's inspired by drill music inspires by it's inspired by a lot of the shit that came out of chicago drill has a very ominous a very distinct sound um and so you can't say that it's all necessarily drill music and right now uh even though chicago been doing their thing chicago uh is the originator of drill the drill scene kind of is more centralized to brooklyn drill Pop Smoke had Brooklyn Drill going crazy. And there's a sound that's bubbling in places like Canarsie, where Pop Smoke is from, and other places like that, where Brooklyn Drill is a big deal. So this is my thing. So we talked about this before. And when we talked about it on the podcast, it seemed as if I came off as the old fogey by saying that we should examine some of the messages and some of the thoughts and some of the themes in the music and just ask ourselves whether or not those things are serving us. I want to make sure people understand that. I'm glad you've changed your tune, Rachel, and now you're on my side now. Oh, Rachel, a flippy flop on there. That's a flip flop. I, I was unfamiliar. I, I definitely <laughs> educated myself on this drill. I sound so old on this drill music. And I... <laughs> And I was I, like, I thought, I really thought about this. I was like, man, we talked about this before. Man, Van and I were not on the same side with this. I got to say that there's something, there's some sort of a correlation between it. I'm not blaming, I'm like you, I'm not saying it's all of it, but I'm just right. saying I had no idea that this was even like a, a thing in the culture. Right. So let's, let's talk about specifically what we're discussing here. Mm -hmm. What we're specifically discussing here is whether or not we should have a conversation about it. Okay. The mayor's doing something different. He wants drill music off of the radio. He wants people on social media to take action. I don't have a problem with him going about it that way. That's not the way I would go about it. Okay. okay. I wouldn't go about it that way. What I would say is, and I don't understand why there's so much pushback on this. If we're talking about actual dead human beings, right, that are coming from a place where there's intense violence, right? Mm -hmm. And they're putting that in their music. I get that. That's where they come from. That's what their music is going to reflect. But we're seeing some of these guys get killed even after they've made it as rappers. So what we're seeing more than we've ever seen before is a behavioral link between where they're from and where they're at. And one of the reasons why that happens is because now in some of these different music circles, being authentic is about actually being the realest killer. Yeah. I'm not going to call names, but you guys know who I'm talking about. If you know, if you know the music, well, it's about who has actually killed a bunch of people who has actually gone on a bunch of missions. When you listen to these young men talk, sometimes they're talking about life as a real life GTA game. Like between what's going on between Fulio and them and spot on got them in them. 
and, and Young and Ace in them in Jacksonville, they are rolling up, shooting each other up. And innocent people are getting killed. There was a girl outside of a restaurant that was murdered because she was on a date with one of these guys. Mm. And if you're telling me right now that you want to talk about everything else that affects black people, everything else that affects young black males, young black females, but you do not want to talk about the fact that we might not be serving our community by some of the messages in this hyper ultra crazy violent real life reflective music then i'm wondering if you're just talking to hear yourself fucking talk i get it it's not any of their fault that they were born into a situation sure that 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 had them click up and get it on like this but i'm saying now we have the opportunity to talk about whether or not some of this stuff is working for us or not and when i see dead rappers it's definitely not working well, I see dead people in the community. It's definitely not working. But think about what's happening, man. Duck, Dolph, King Vaughn, uh, uh, Draco the Ruler. I'm not blaming all of this on drill, but I'm saying it's getting way too lit out here. And you want to point, point the finger at everybody else, but let's take one second to make sure that there's that we're doing everything that we can to address some of these issues and some of these problems as a community and maybe set some limits for what it is that we'll sing along to. And I and I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't either. I don't either. I, I, I don't. But why is it such a hard conversation to have, you feel like? I I don't know. I mean, you got people saying, well, this is the way that they that they feed themselves in their community and this is the way that they make it out. But I feel like if you can make it rapping you can make it rapping about something else. There are other things to talk about, or there's ways to talk about violence or gun violence and not be bragging about it in a certain way or talk or naming people that you're killing. I think that that's that argument of, well, they're just talking about stuff because they're just trying to put food on the table. doesn't make any sense to me or, or the whole, like, you know, you're taking away our right to say what we want to talk about. I just feel like that's a very selfish way to think about it. And you're not understanding the impact that it is or potentially is happening in the community. I don't, I don't, I think people just want to be stubborn for the sake of being stubborn sometimes. I really well, do. Here's the thing. It's, it's very easy to say. I don't want to come off sanctimonious or highbrow, but I'm getting, I don't think right? that's it. I don't think that's what this is. This is what I will say. A lot of this music is changing the economic situation of some of these brothers. So I understand that they don't want to see their creativity and what it is that uh, that they've got going on hampered in any way because they want to be able to continue to make the music that's going to get them out of their situation. I get that. I understand that. This is what I'll say. It's very simple. Very, very simple to say it this way. That's what I'll say. When you talk about rat beef and the beef is all wax. There's a point to a rap beef and when a beef is all wax. The point is music, right? Yes. You might yes, not actually yes. like a guy, but you're going to drop a verse. He's going to drop a verse. Mm -hmm. Or she's going to drop a verse. You're going to drop a song. They're going to drop a song. Whatever, whatever. Go back and forth. Okay? Not that some of these things haven't turned violent because they absolutely have. All right? But at its purest, a rap beef is about who's the better musician, who makes the better music. I'm actually willing to support that. This guy thinks he's a better rapper than you. You want to go at him and prove who's the better rapper. That's fine. 
I will not support, will not support any longer who is the better killer. Mm. I will not support that. If you want to talk about rapping, who got this, who got that, that's fine in its purest form. But if the, the conversation now is who's the better killer, who's up on the kill tally, whose ops are running scared, where you got to go to get this, where you got to go to get that, who we smoking on, I'm too old, I'm too out of touch, I'm not fucking supporting that. I'm yeah. just not doing it. These niggas are dead yeah. forever. They're not coming back. And I don't want to be a part of it. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Super Bowl halftime show. What do you think, Rachel? I thought it was great. You liked it. I thought it was great. I did think there were going to be more surprise guests because uh -huh. Dre kept teasing that. But... I enjoyed every minute of it. And I think Brian summed it up best when it was over. He was like, that left me wanting more. That I think determines whether or not it's a good halftime show. I could have used more of certain people. You know, I'm a big Kendrick Lamar fan. So I, first of all, first of all, Kendrick Lamar, Meteor Man is a movie I love so much. So really? the fact, Yes. Now remember, okay. there's not a lot of things we could watch in the Lindsay household. Right. So, and 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 I just want to before I say this, I want to say what time period we're talking about. There were so many cameos in that movie, or not cameos, but famous people in that movie, including somebody I loved, Cliff Cliff Huxtable. Okay. So you're wow. like, as a child, I loved seeing that in the movie. I was just like fascinated with the whole thing. Anyways, black superhero doing good in the community. I don't know. I loved. It. I love the whole thing. Anyways, so the fact that Kendrick Lamar. Did the Golden Lords? Uh -huh. To me, it made the performance everything. I was in a room with people who didn't quite understand that. So I was trying to explain to them <laughs> the importance of what that was. Plus the way that they were marching, the way that they were dressed, like this, uh, this whole Black Panther feel. I love the whole thing. So to me, seeing Kendrick Lamar doing his thing out there was probably my favorite part. Most people aren't going to say that, but that's just because I'm a big fan. 
Um, but I loved it. Mary showed out. I wouldn't expect Mary to do all that. Yeah. Uh, it just, I don't know. It just made me happy to see them all standing up there together. They seemed happy. I had the um, privilege of interviewing Snoop today, actually, at the opening of his store. And I asked him about what that moment meant to him. And like he said, the stars just all aligned together because it's across the street, it's in Inglewood, across the street from his store that he has, what it meant to the community, the whole city there, standing on top of it. Like it just, you couldn't, you couldn't have painted a better picture. So I don't know. I just, I love the whole thing. Did you enjoy Kendrick, it? Kendrick Lamar gave you a little choreography. You see I, that? What? Was were you expecting it? I was dancing. I was like, okay, Kendrick, Kendrick going. <laughs> Kendrick, like shaking the shoulders a little bit. <laughs> I, know, I wasn't expecting I Kendrick to, to, to dance at all. I didn't know he would be dancing. It was my favorite. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed the show. Um, I I got took a little flack on Twitter because I was maybe I got, a little, I got a little woke because Kendrick performed all right, right? Which love, 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 love that song, right? And that song is a very important song to the movement. You know what I'm saying? Because people mm-hmm. was Black Lives Matter walking up and down the the the, the street singing that song, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the song where he goes, "And we hate Po Po, but the kill is dead. The streets for show." And they bleep that part out. It's the whole, it's the it's one of the powerful lines of the song. But that was me being a little bit extra woke. I, it happens. No, I still enjoyed the fact that that's the song that he chose to do up there. That's still meaningful. Exactly. You can't go all the way. Don't let the don't let the uh, perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, although I would like to see a time where we don't have to neuter ourselves at all to be ourselves. But I get it. He wants to get the message out. Kendrick Lamar. Uh, listen, I, I, if they told him he couldn't do the song, it would have been a problem. But to me, when I saw that show, I saw everybody being unapologetically themselves. That, to me, was beautiful. So, yes, they cut that line out. But, to, but it was all black. I mean, except for Eminem. But it was, you know what I mean? Like it just, everybody, I mean, Snoop was dressed in a blue flag, which that outfit is on sale in his store now, by the way. He was advertising. let me tell you something. (laughs) something. (laughs) Don't buy it. Okay, I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff at Snoop's store that you could buy. I'm telling you guys. Don't get fucked up. Do you you know want to wear that whole blue outfit it. like it's on a that? mannequin in the store. It's on a mannequin in the store. Fantastic. Make sure your politics is right if you're going to rock that. And make sure, by the way, if you are in Inglewood and you buy that all blue <laughs> joint, don't walk around too many places in Inglewood with that all blue joint on because... That's controlled by the other side. Do you so. know what's? But they, but no, but in the store, a lot of their stuff was different, uh, like colors like that, like same print, different colors. I was like, oh, okay, women and for women and men. Yeah, <laughs> love Snoop. I love Snoop. Like, love it. Just make if you go buy it, just make sure your politics is right. Take it over to the sixties. <laughs> Or something like the, the 90s or something like that. Don't be in Athens Park, Denver Lanes, anywhere wearing that shit. You'll get all the way fucked up or at least pressed. I see. Here's the thing. Have you have you ever been in a situation? I'm, I'm assuming you've never been pressed by gangs before, right? I have not. Getting pressed is a bad feeling by gangs. I would imagine it would be. 
but is but it's a bad feeling for many reasons. Okay. okay. One of the reasons is you know the right thing to do, but you don't want to do it. You know, you you're somewhere. It's like, yo, man, where you from? You'll say every you know what they mean, but you'll start giving them places that you live that are from nigga. I'm from Zimbabwe. You know where I'm from? I'm from Africa, bro. How about that? We all from the same place. Now, now, I mean, where you from? I know what you mean. Wherever you think I'm from, I'm not from there. I'm from fucking God. I'm from Jesus. That's where we all come from anyway, right? From yeah. goddamn heaven is where I'm from. Whatever we'll say, whatever can be said to make you not go in right now is where I'm from. And then, but you don't want to have to do that. Like, you don't want to have to, like, well, go bow ahead down to niggas. What? What's more important to you? What's more important to you? Your pride or your yeah, life? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I always I always would be like, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it first of all, I first got out here it was like, "Where you from?" I said, "I don't bang. I ain't involved in all of that, bro." I ain't, you know what I'm saying? I ain't bang. All right, cool. You know where you at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where I'm at. All right, cool, cool, cool. As soon as I take a step away. I want what I want to say. Is, nigga, don't fucking ask me that. I can do whatever I want to do, but that's the wrong thing to do. You don't it's do the wrong thing to do. Can I just also say that we were in Inglewood, community was out there, and folks knew me. They but fucking you know, with I, They were fucking with me. They fucking, they were fucking with, with me. Rachel, Snoop, get a picture. I said, yes. They fucking the with people, you. The people recognize me. Rachel, no, normally, why do you feel like they don't recognize you, though? Because like I. Did you watch The Bachelor? Did whoa. I watch The Bachelor? You wait, hold on. You went to Snoop Shop one time and now you cousin me? No, that was Cause, a because. That was a because. That was a because. That whoa. was a because. Race, did you get did you hold on? Did you get put on Eastside Crip while you were over at Snoop? <laughs> Put on Eastside Crip. <laughs> like, what are you? Don't get... Meet Snoop wow. one time. <laughs> you meet Snoop one time, and now you rolling Eastside Crip. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. People love you. Uh, Eminem knelt. He knelt during his situation. I didn't catch it until it was over. I didn't see it either. Does it mean anything to Neil if you're meant- performing at the Super, Time, Super Bowl halftime show? It meant something to him. It meant something to him. And that's, and like, he wanted to do it. They, NFL says they were aware of it. It meant he had the opportunity. He was on an NFL field, on stage. It was almost like uh, he was paying homage. And I, I respect it. I respect it too. Look, here's the thing. It wouldn't be better to have none of them perform uh, if you're talking about the Colin Kaepernick situation. Yeah, too. But if you just want to make sure somebody knows, you, somebody knows, hey, I haven't forgotten you. There's nothing wrong it. with it at all. Mm-hmm. Should have, should Eminem have been on the stage. Why? Because he's not from LA? Well, neither is Mary J. Blige. I know. That's that's what I, I was going to say. Neither is 50 Cent. This seemed like to be a more of an aftermath thing than an actual LA thing. People are wondering, you have Eminem out there to do Lose Yourself. He does one song. Is that a situation where you want to have Eminem even on the stage with the rest of those? Could you, let's say How you How many swap- songs did, Ke- did, did Kendrick do? It's like one and a, and a little bit of another one. And see, there's the thing. If Eminem's not there, you can give Kendrick another song. You know what I mean? Should Game have been out there? Should Ice Cube have been out there? I honestly thought Ice Cube was going to come out there. You thought he was? That's that's what I thought. But yeah, it was it was a Dre thing. I mean, you saw how it started, right? Dre like stood up with uh-huh. his arms up. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Godlike uh-huh. stood out there. And that like, so it was Dre's show. Right. You know, yes, it was an L.A. thing, but he let everybody know what was up. He was like in the backdrop of every I was like, is he really on the ones? Like, is he really mixing up there? Is he doing something? Let me, let me tell you what it would have been a powerful moment that they missed. All of a sudden it's like, this is how we do starts playing. This is how we do. And then Game and 50 Cent start doing that thing. Just a powerful great. moment. Because I know they'd have been squashing, but it would have just been a powerful moment been great. to see them doing that together um, on the Super Bowl halftime show. We have to talk about this because I knew that people were talking about it. Uh, you know, I have the show coming later on this year, Hip Hop Homicides, 50 Cent, oh, yeah, Scott yeah. Young. Okay, 50 Cent, homie of mine, producer, guy who personally asked for me to do the show, so shout out to 50. 50 was hanging uh, upside down and then he got there. People were noticing that there's you know, a little bit of difference between 50 now and 50 when he did the In The Club video. We're doing this? We're doing this right now? They're doing it, so we're asking the question. What's the question? Is it fucking fair for people to expect 50 Cent to look the same as he did in the In The Club video when that shit came out when I was in fucking college? It's been 20 years. That came out in 2003. Wow. It's been 20 years since that video came out. And people are talking about the fact that 50s obviously put on a couple of pounds. Like, is that a fair thing to do? Yes and no. <laughs> the only reason I say no, because it's like, you're right. It's been 20 years. Like, cut the man a break. Like, who looks the same 20 years later? Exactly the same. Two, but the reason I say yes, I mean, is because you reenacted the video. Like, what? of course people were going to. I was a little confused when it started off. Right. It look it you know what I mean? Like if you're going to could do the exact same thing that you did in the video, obviously people are going to point out the differences. That being, but I mean I'm not going to, you know, the weight gain, which to me is fine, but I would have never gone as far as calling him dollar like people were doing. <laughs> also, I think for a lot of people it was their time cuz fifth be on his shit too. And he know that. Fifth be on his shit getting at people. Sometimes going way too fucking far. But sure. I think for a lot of people, uh, it was their time to get at 52. Because even when I was like, give leave 50 alone, people were like, Van, really? Come on. All 50 do is bully people. We got to give 50 <laughs> this fucking shit right now. So yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Um, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, guys, coming up, um, we uh, have to alert you to something going on here in the, in the world. We will need all the thought warriors help. There's a situation with a friend of mine, a new friend of mine, uh, that we want to put on you guys' radar so that we can put the appropriate pressure. Timothy Ware Hill is going to be on the show to talk about why he can't read a book to young black children in New Jersey. Very interesting story. Don't miss it. Okay, uh, an issue was brought to my attention this past weekend by a dear friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Lawrence Bender. Lawrence Bender, if you've heard that name, uh, is the head honcho at Abandoned Park Productions. He was a producer on Two Distant Strangers, the Academy Award-winning short. Uh, that I don't know if you guys heard about last year. He's done a million things with a million people. He is one of the best people in my life, Lawrence Bender. Lawrence Bender was a producer on another short, which was fantastic as well this was animated it was called cops and robbers and one of the people the talented individuals behind the short cops and robbers is a gentleman by the name of timothy ware now timothy i did not know uh he is a friend that i have met recently through lawrence but lawrence connected us because something happened to timothy that we think is worth talking about here on higher learning so Timothy Ware is with us today on Higher Learning. Thanks for joining us. And why don't you take the time to tell people exactly what's going on and what happened to you surrounding uh, something you were supposed to do? Uh, hey, Van and Rachel, thank you for having me on. Uh, uh, Lawrence Bender knew me when I was Timothy Ware. It actually became Timothy Ware Hill. Uh, oh, Timothy Warehill. Sorry about that. Timothy Warehill is his name. I'm very sorry about that. No, it's all good. No apologies needed. No apologies needed. Yeah, I was uh, invited to read a children's book called A Sweet Smell of Roses by Angela Johnson. Uh, it's a it's an illustrated children's book about uh, two little black girls going to uh, see Dr. King speak and to march with him. Uh, I was invited from uh, the Montbell Diversity and Inclusion Committee in a small town uh, called Montbell, New Jersey. Uh, this was uh, supposed to be a virtual reading uh, with their community that would have uh, taken place on the last week of uh, Black History Month. Uh, when word got out that I was the reader, some of the community of uh, Montbell and the police union started to research me to figure out who is this Mr. Warehill that's uh, about to read the story to my kids, you know? And the only thing they could dig up was that I was the writer, actor, and creator of uh, Cops and Robbers, my animated short that was, uh, that's on Netflix and created to pay homage to Ahmaud Aubrey and other uh, victims, black victims of police violence, right? And uh, from this, they took it that I hate cops. So the police union and some of the community reached out to the mayor, uh, Mayor Mike Gasali of Montville, New Jersey, 
to let him know that uh, this guy that you're having read for our community hates cops. And they want to cancel the reading and also boycott and, and remove funding if I happen to read uh, for their community. So the mayor, Mayor Mike Gasali, he called me on Friday to explain this to me. And I said, um, Mayor Mike, can I ask you, have you seen my film? He says, oh, no, no, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I, I, I plan on watching it tonight. I said, okay, uh, that's, <laughs> so right now, this is your first time meeting me and you haven't seen my film and you've decided that I hate cops because of why. And I explained to Mayor Mike that the benefit of the doubt that he has given the police union about who I am is the same reason I wrote Cops and Robbers and the things that I write. Because so often when we are victims of police violence and when we don't survive that violence, we never get to defend ourselves. We never get to say who we are, but there is a narrative created about us and we become the guilty party even when we have been victims of their violence. And I had to explain to him, Mayor Mike, you're proving my point. This is exactly what you're doing. You, you claim you didn't know me, you haven't seen my film, yet you believed these people and your police union that I'm a cop hater without getting to know me first. And he says, well, that's why I'm here to get to know you. I said, well, let, let, let's get to know me then. Let, let me help you to understand what I write and why I write it. I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, home of the civil rights movement. So, so I, I, I understand this world, the language and, and why we have to continue to fight for what we fight for. And Cops and Robbers is my perspective as a black man in America from my personal experiences of being pulled over, approached, harassed, for no reason by police officers. Huh. Nowhere in my short does it say that I hate cops. Nowhere in the short uh, does it say I dislike cops. It, it is a cry and a plea for our lives to matter, for our voices to be heard, right? And here you are, Mayor Mike, in this environment where all over the nation you're canceling books. You don't wanna teach, you wanna teach a, a false history to your to your communities and not teach them, you know, this is Black History Month, but I, I like to call it American History Month, American History Month, because the rest of the history that we really learned in school was white history to me. Because wow. without black people, there is no American history. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And uh so I I push back with Mayor Mike and I I say do you believe that police should be held accountable when they done wrong? And he goes, yes, I, I do believe it. I do believe it. But, you know, you just have to understand that uh, with my constituents, my constituents, and I, I have to be careful because Mayor Mike explained to me that he himself is Syrian born. He was born in Syria and became uh, moved here when he was 16. And he knows that his community still sees him as a foreigner. So I, I said, well, if you believe these things, if you believe that police should be held accountable, you must realize that you as the mayor 
You are mayor of the people, not the police union. You are mayor for those constituents, the black and brown ones who helped get you into office. Because I know that though he is conservative himself, a Republican, he told me that he had both Democrats and Republicans vote for him, black and brown people. And I said, those people had your back. You can't abandon them because they didn't abandon you at the polls. And you have such a small, diverse minority of people in your community who need stories, who need to understand Black history, American history, right? And this story, A Sweet Smell of Roses by Angela Johnson, has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with cops, has nothing to do with any films that I've done in the past or plan to do in the present or the future. It was just me literally reading the words from this children's book so that the, the little black kids in that community can hear and see a, see a, hear a person and see a person that looks like them. Huh. So as it stands now, this reading has been canceled. The mayor is not letting you go forward with it. As, as, as it stands now, the mayor is not allowing me to go forward with it. And uh, if he does move forward, I think he's saying that uh, from what I'm getting from someone in the diversity committee is that uh, he may use a, a high school or middle school student, but he can't guarantee that it'll be uh, a person of the same ethnicity. Wait, 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 wait. So he's, they're still going to have the reading. Possibly. But they're but they're going to, but like, it's matter of fact that you will not be the reader. It's a matter of fact that I won't be the reader. So what about the, the, I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. The group who you were reading to the group or the group who brought you in, have yeah. they come together, you know, to oppose the mayor's decision and you know, like what's being done on their end? Yes. They're, they're trying to figure out what their next steps are. Uh, they were supposed to have, uh, the mayor was supposed to meet with them today. But once again, he's pushed that meeting <laughs> as well uh, for later in the week, which gives them even less time to prepare for uh, before the, the month is through. Uh, so uh, they're, they're, they're still trying to figure out how to push back. Um, the problem is, is that it's such a small community of people of color. And when you have that against such a structure, there's fear to retaliate because the fear is we're going to lose funding. And if we lose funding, then we won't do, be able to do anything else throughout the year. Montbell held their first LGBTQ pride event ever last year, very first time. And so uh, the young people who are leading the committee are trying to make these changes. And of course they take baby steps and what I've learned is that sometimes your allyship has to come from outside of your community, which is why I'm here on your show to make some noise because Mayor Mike, his whole thing, he said, my community isn't ready for this. It isn't ready for this. And I said, Jeez. throughout throughout history, we've always heard that, right? Nobody's, they're not ready for this. They're not ready. Who, who are they? Let's Let's be specific about who they are because you're not talking about the black and brown people who are asking for it, right? And, and when do you as a leader help prepare them to be ready for it? 
How do you ease them into it? And so he didn't want to make it a local issue. And I said, well, let's not make it a local issue. Let's make it a national issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Timothy, we are are glad that you stopped in to talk to us about it today. I'm going to ask you one last question here. Uh, because we're about to get moving on this. We're not going to let this. Timothy, this already has been, let's face it. It's been a rocky Black History Month for us. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been a lot of stuff going on, you know. Nelly almost ruined it. Let's be honest. Uh, like it's been a rocky Black History Month where we can't we can't stand this happening right now. We have to make sure that when situations like this uh, happen, that we call them out and we get to them and we move together in love and not in outrage. We just want everybody to understand what it is we're trying to say. Sure. Question to you: A lot of people would have been like, "Fuck it, they don't want me to read it. Move on, screw them." I'm Timothy Warehill. I got a lot of other stuff going on. Who cares? Why was this so important to you to follow up with this? Stick to this and make sure that uh, that the people of Montclair understand the mistake that they're making. Um, it's important to me because so often, you know, I grew up in Alabama, so we often think, oh, racism, that's the South. And the first thing people ask me when I say I grew up in Montgomery, they're like, so what was that like? Yeah. <laughs> and I go, it, you know, it was it was interesting it was okay it had its moments yeah but the most racism that i'd ever dealt with um specifically with uh harassment from police was when i moved to la you know and and so we forget that auction blocks were in the north too <laughs> we forget absolutely you, you know what i'm saying we forget yeah. and here we have this small community with a small group of minorities, when I say minorities of minorities, right? Trying to get their voices heard. So often they become overlooked and change happens in the, in the micro. They happen in the small steps. And sometimes we're just waiting for someone to shine a magnifying glass on those small moments to make them larger. I, I think of Montgomery, Alabama. I think of you know, the Montgomery bus were caught. I, I think of Rosa Parks sitting uh, in the front of the bus and, and how it created a storm across the nation. And, and also the other young black woman who sat before Rosa Parks. I, you know, I, I think about the courage it took Emmett Till's mother, Mamie Till, to open that casket and say, no, Jet Magazine, show my baby, show it to the world because this is what's gonna uh, ignite a movement, some real change. And and I have two little cousins, little black girls who live in Montbell, New Jersey, right? And so I only imagine them being the only ones in their respective classrooms trying to learn how to survive. How when do they allow themselves to be themselves or when do they crawl, you know, become small because we know how we know how disrespected black women can be treated. So imagine how bad it can be when they don't have anyone else in their room who look like them or who will advocate for them. And so it's important to me to make it a bigger issue and not just run away from it, not just go, oh, I appreciate you thinking about me, considering me, let me move on and go ahead and use whoever you want to read this book because that's what they want. That's what the community of Montbell 
the police union and those people who are complaining about me reading this book, that's what they want. They want us to quit. They want us to give up. And every time we do that, it just gives them room and permission to continue to continue with their shenanigans. Let's call it that. Absolutely. Mm. Timothy, I'm where upset. Yeah, I'm we're, sorry. We're, I'm we're, so we're, upset by this. But also, can I just say I'm extremely saddened by the fact that this man stepped out and told you that he's a person of color, knows the right thing to do, but won't do it. And I just think that's a whole nother level to it. He has the power to do something and won't do it for fear of upsetting white folks at the end of the day, just because he wants to hold on to his title. I, it's, it's, it's so upsetting. And it's if you think upsetting. if it's happening there, it's happening everywhere. And that's the point of this conversation. I'm so glad that you came on the podcast. I'm so sorry that happened to you, though. And I'm so sorry that those children aren't going to get to hear from you either. Yeah, no, they, they, they might. They might. They might. We about to get active. Timothy, thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning, bro. We're going to be in touch, all right? Van, Rachel, blessings to you both. Thank you again. Thank you again. All right, my man. Shikari Richardson back in the news. Yeah. Very interesting. Did you see this? I did. I'm not sure. I'm so sure I understand this. So I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Um, Shikari Richardson is talking about the difference between her and Camila Valieva? Huh. Sure. So Camila is a Russian figure skater who was allowed to compete after she failed a drug test. Now, you might remember that Shikari Richardson failed a drug test for marijuana. And was told that she could not fucking be in the Olympics. We had some people on here. We had, uh, who do we have on again? We had. We had Sonia Richards-Ross. Sonia Richards-Ross. Shout out to Sonia Richards-Ross. We had Sonia Richards-Ross on here who said that Shikari, as talented as she is, should have known that she could not be smoking weed in competition. And that's just the way things go. But a lot of people rally behind Shikari. People are wondering, like, what's the difference between that situation, which is weed, and this situation, which is performance enhancing. This is some audio of an Olympic committee member talking about the entire thing. The Court of Arbitration for Sport, actually the ad hoc division of the court, has issued its decision in the procedures relating to the figure skater Camila Valieva. The CAS panel in charge of this matter has decided to let Ms. Valieva continue her participation in the Olympic Winter Games Beijing 2022. Okay, so Valieva tested positive for a heart drug called trimethotizadine. Trimethotizadine. Okay, whatever. And apparently, you, you know, tried. that's something. I, I, did what, I did what I could. I did what I could, America. Uh, apparently, that's something that you know gives you an advantage. Now, the reasons why they're letting her compete at the taping of this, which is 4 p.m. on a Monday, are unclear. They still <laughs> haven't really decided. They still haven't really told us why. Donnie, truly, am I wrong about this? No. Like, what I'm, do you mean they I, haven't told us why she can compete? They haven't told us what the reason is that the arbitrators ruled that it was okay for her to compete. Because the, she's the, a protected person. Yeah, but what does that really mean? So a protected person, the rules are if you're under 16 and you can show that your use of that drug was unintentional, then you have you can receive a warning instead of the two-year suspension and not face the potential loss of any medals. Okay, so that is the clear definition. So then, but okay, if that's the clear definition, which 
when I saw that, I thought that was a preliminary ruling. I thought there would be more coming out about that. But let's say that that's the case. So okay. she's 15 years old, protected person, therefore has different rules. That that's, means that she can make a mistake. That also means that there are probably dozens and dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds of 14, 15 year olds who are doping because they Absolutely. know they can get popped once for it and then not um they know that they can get popped for it once and then not have to uh, uh like uh, you know uh, get suspended if that's the case then that's the answer to shikari's question correct that's correct it. like if if that's i i thought that was a done deal but let's just talk about it like it is because that's what they're saying the reason that you know she was allowed to compete I don't know if Shikari is unaware of this rule because when I read it, I was like, yeah, I get what Shikari's saying. But then I saw this and it's like, well, it's two totally different things. Different rules apply because Shikari is an adult. This is a minor. I mean, this doesn't seem to be a black, white issue here. Huh. Now, it's not a black, white issue. It is an issue of a very stupid rule. It is, uh, but Shikari made it black and white. Right. And so you think Shakari Richardson was wrong to make this a race thing. If this is the rule, and, and remember, let's go back. I was against what Sonia was saying. Like I felt like Shakari should have been able to get been given the opportunity to be able to run. But if we're just talking simply rules here and the difference between her and this uh figure skater, then it's I mean, it's very clear as to why. Uh, things were ruled in a different way. The rules, the yeah, rules just, are different here for them. She she said, uh, "Difference. Can we get a solid answer to the difference on her situation and mine? My mother died, and I can't run, and was also favored to place top three. The only difference is I see. The only difference I see is I'm a black young lady. Well, there is another difference. There's another difference is she's 15, fifteen. She's a protected person, and therefore has different rules than an adult athlete. Let me ask you a question then. Okay, so two things. Number one, the Olympics have said if she does win a medal, there will be no medal ceremony. Correct. There's not going to be a medal ceremony. Uh, there's not going to be a medal ceremony if she wins it. It's not just Shikari Rich is mad about this. Uh, a lot of other people are saying it's a slap in the face. Uh, she should be suspended. She should be able to. So it's not just Shikari, but it was Shikari that made it about race. Question I'll ask you. Now that this is out, do you think that Shikari should come out and say, hey, this is not a racial thing, but this rule is stupid because there are going to yes. be a lot of people who see this that are going to be whipped into a frenzy because of this entire situation. Right. I had to do the research to understand that actually the rules are different. It's not about the races being different. So I do think the responsible thing is to come out and say, because I, I agree with you, it, it's a, the rules are bad. The rules are outdated. The rules are messed up. This shouldn't be in place. She should have been running in the Olympics, but that's not the issue here. But I think the responsible thing to say, hey, like, you know, shouldn't even have to say I jumped the gun. Oh, I've now learned the rules. You know, it's not a race issue, but I still think these are outdated and the rules should change. Uh, yeah. it's, time for, it's time for Is This Fucked Up. Are you ready for it? Let's do it. Okay, Donnie, put a picture of this billboard up so Rachel can see it. Billboards in Memphis, okay? And it's a former Memphis councilman named Fred Davis. He's actually dead. Passed uh, away in 2020. <laughs> in 2020. Now, these billboards have been out for a while. I had not seen this before, but they just popped up. I still think it's an interesting conversation to have. Especially with you, Rach. Why? Because. 
Oh, you think I'm Fred Davis? I think you're, I think, Rach, I think you're a little conservative sometimes, you know, when it comes to do with the expressions of sexualities and different things. I think you're a little conservative. You don't think so? Has anybody seen my Super Bowl pictures? When it comes to outfits? No, like, what is this? What is, don't put, no, 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 don't do this. Don't put this on me. I'm not a conservative where I'm going to agree with this kind of thing. Not that you agree with this kind of thing. You don't think it's fair to say that you've, in the past, especially when we're talking about particularly women, that you've been a little conservative on some of these issues. You don't think that that's fair? If you're referring to the Brittany Renner conversation, because I call her a bop, like, I'm trying to... Betraya or anybody else. If you're talking about uh, women who a bird, oh, a bob, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? women. I don't so, think that makes me conservative. We, Drea literally talked about ad, like laughing at a domestic violence situation. Meg, Meg the Stallion cursed her out too. So don't no, like you're literally I'm bringing up. Just, I'm not, what I'm talking about is a bop. Like we talked about what it means to be a bop. What does and that I mean? told you what my definition of that was. Like, you can literally look it up. In the South, when you talked about bopping, it was like girls that hung around certain people. Like, athletes, musicians, <laughs> celebrities. But, look, but even that, there's a negative connotation to it. That's what I understand. There's a negative connotation to it, and it's they nothing. They like to be it's on the scene. Thing. I'm not calling you a hoe. I'm not calling you a bitch. Like, to me, <laughs> I'm not saying you're putting yourself out there in a certain way. Like, you like to be on a certain scene. In the South, we is call it, that bopping. Like is that's it negative? what is, is it? Is it negative? If I've used that thing against myself, like I used to love to be on the scene. I used to love to be affiliated with that. That is bopping. And I'm talking about myself. I used to do the same thing. So that's why I don't think I don't think I wasn't doing anything. And if, and if you want to, that's totally fine. Not like I, I don't call people hoes or anything like that. Like I don't do that. If you want to, that's fine. But I don't think a bop, I think. People were equating me using the word term bop with ho. And I don't. I don't equate the two. Bop definitely. Uh, you remember, I'm from the South. Bop definitely means ho. It no, definitely it doesn't just mean ho. No, it does not. But go it ahead. It doesn't just mean ho. It's part of the whole arsenal. I though. think I can see how somebody would say that bopping is ho, but like that's not the, like a ho, but that's not the term I used it in. Like, okay. You just mean woman that likes to hang out with athletes and be on the scene, but she's not a ho. But there's a name for it. There, it is. I think okay. there's levels. Just, I think there. Yeah, I really, I really like, a, like a hundred percent. That is truly how I used it. I, right. I was just truly how I used it. But whatever. Okay, go ahead. You think I'm conservative? You think that I'm gonna have an issue with this? Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Tee it up. So, Tee it up. <laughs> uh, so there are these there's billboards up, and the billboards say. Use your mind and not your behind. Show your mind and not your behind. And on one side, I think of the these billboard, are hilarious. One side of the billboard, there is a, a a dude with a cap and gown on, and the other side is a dude that's showing his butt because his pants are sagging too low. And on the bottom, there is a, a woman with a cap and gown, and then on the other side, there's a woman turned around showing her butt. We actually we're gonna have the lady that's actually in this ad who was supposed to be on our um. Our podcast today, but she decided. I guess she didn't want to come on there. She's actually in the ad. She hit me up and she goes, "That's actually my butt that they're using for that ad." She seems to be somebody who is very uh, active. She talks about anti-blackness. She talks about all of these things on her podcast. So I guess she is using her mind uh, and her behind. What do you think about these billboards, Rachel? Do you think that? No, you tell me what you think. I would think. You think I I agree with that? You said, "Oh, Rachel, I'm so interested in your take." You think that I. You think I'm 
Go I'm ahead. Interested your, I'm interested in your take, Rach, because I don't I was, have much to say. Was, I think they're hilarious it? and ineffective. Think I think they're hilarious and ineffective. You know, despite popular belief, apparently, I think it's fun. I think it's a ridiculous waste of money. I look. I I saw the. I never had seen the the one with the woman, but I had seen the one with the guy before. I thought it was hilarious when I saw it because it's so ridiculous. Right. It's so outrageous that right. I that somebody who wears their pants a certain way or wears those shorts, which I have very much so, and I got a mind. You know, like it's like if you wear certain clothing, you don't have a mind, which is yeah, so wild. Or that somebody who wear who dresses like that is gonna look up at that billboard and say, "You know what? You're right." Right. And is going to go change their clothes and go get an education like you can't do both. It's ridiculous. If you want people to stop dressing a certain way, this isn't the way to get their attention and get the message across. Do you think that people should be categorized by the way that they dress? No, but I think think it's human nature for people to to do that to people, to judge people by the way they're dressed. So who cares about whether or not it's human nature? Who cares? No, I'm just saying. Right. I'm. I'm, no, they shouldn't, but I'm saying people do it. Do you think people should be categorized by who they hang out with and whether or not they're athletes or not? No. I'm fucking with you now. I know you are. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know what I think is interesting about this? Fred Davis, before he died, he said he was side by side with Dr. King when he kicked off his his last march. He says, those of us who fought hard those of us who fought hard just for the opportunity for especially African-Americans to do well are disappointed. If Dr. King had seen this billboard, Dr. King would have been like, Fred, do you know where that girl lives? Wow. (laughs) No, he wouldn't. He would have been like, Fred. He would have been like, Fred. Don't ask, don't you even pretend like Dr. King I'm would not, be like, I'm not. I'm just Dr. saying he would have been Fred, like, Fred, Fred there's a reason that you march beside me and you're not on the microphone. That's what he would have said. Because the this this messaging is off. He would have said that to Fred, but at the same time, he also would have been like, Fred, I'm telling you, after the prayer meeting, let's see if we can get her over. We got to start being honest about this kind of stuff. Nobody's not being honest about it. I just, it's just, you always want to talk about that. You always want to talk about. You guys, look, go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch a documentary called uh, FBI Martin Luther King. We've talked about this in a couple of years, in the year 2027. Okay. 2027. The FBI is going to release. All of the, I believe, illegal surveillance stuff that they have on Dr. King. Supposed to come out in the year 2027. And when it comes out, there is going to be stuff on the tapes and in the transcripts that is going to blow people's fucking minds away when it comes to Dr. King's promiscuity. So I'm Why? telling you, but people know he was promiscuous. They don't know to these levels, I don't think. And what I'm saying is, and what I'm saying is, 
Whereas it changes absolutely zero about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I challenge the historical validity of it actually coming out. I'm just telling people we should just make our bones with the fact that this was just an aspect of this guy's character. Which is not denying it. Was. Is this really supposed to come out in 2027 or that's what the documentary says? Well, no, the FBI tapes, yeah, the, the, that's when it's, there's a seal on them and the seal is up in 2027. Oh, okay, 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 okay. They'll probably come out. There's a seal on them and the seal is up in 2027. And there might be some other things in there that are, look, I'll let you guys watch the documentary and make the decision for yourself. But uh, it is very, 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 very interesting. So I like, when I throw a joke out there like that, I just kind of want people to just understand that it's just a joke. It doesn't change anything about who Dr. King is. Of course it doesn't. What's the name of the documentary again? It's called uh, FBI MLK. It really, the documentary isn't so, it's not about Dr. King's promiscuity. It's about the FBI and the concerted effort that they made to subvert and undermine what Dr. King was doing during the civil rights movement. It is a fantastic documentary. And it's one that everyone needs to understand what we need to watch to understand how American power tries to maintain the status quo It's fantastic. So I was talking to a friend of mine, this friend of mine was like, Hey, interracial relationships are damaging to the black community, but only, only, when it is a black man with a white woman. Were you talking to a woman? No. Okay. This is a friend of mine. Only. A male friend. A male friend. Only when it's a black man and a white woman. And is a black man who said this? It's a black man. He said, okay. he said, sisters date whoever they want. Everybody do whatever they want. The only time an interracial, interracial relationship is damaging to the black community is when it is a black man and a white woman. Two questions, two very serious questions. Number one, are interracial relationships in any way damaging to the black community? Number two, are black male, black, white female relationships specifically damaging to the black community? This conversation was kicked off because we were talking about Kanye West. Hmm. So are interracial relationships damaging to the black community? Okay, well, I'm yes. going to say no because I'm right. in one. But you're not in the bucket anymore. You're not in that bucket, so it doesn't matter. See what I'm saying? So you're not in the bucket. You're only talking about, let's ask the question again. Well, the are, first one was interracial in general. The second one, that's why I say no. Right. The second one so, so let me just is, ask one question then. Okay. Are black men, white women relationships damaging to the black community in any way to you? Oh, when you say in any way, well, then yes, they can be. If you, when you add in any way, if you add, are they damaging to the community? I would say no, but there are certain circumstances where they can be. And I'll just bring up, uh, what were they called? Flash and fresh, fresh, fresh and what were they? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. Flare, fit and flare. <laughs> what was it? What are their names? <laughs> you know what their names no, are. No, I'm I'm dead serious. It's fresh and fit. Fresh and fit. I didn't say that. 
No, you said flash and fresh. You said fit and flare. You said everything. I thought I said that. Uh, When you bring up individuals like them who use their interracial relationship to degrade other black women, then it's Uh a problem. Then it's a problem. Or who jump in an interracial relationship um, to put black women down, black people down, who lose themselves and their identity when they jump into a relationship. I've seen all those things happen. Then it's a problem. So yes, interracial relationships with a black man and a white woman can be problematic if it's one of those things. Does your opinion of a black man change when you see him with a white woman? And has it ever? Um, in my 20s, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. I would be like, look at him. You know what? Let's ask. Look at him over there. That's the the very serious question. I said this before. I said this on uncomfortable conversations. So your opinion of a black man, your opinion of a black man, used to change when you would see him with a white woman. Throughout my entire twenties, I'm not even ashamed to say that. When did that change for you? When I started, uh, like. When I put my list down and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be open to finding someone who I vibe with, I connect with, who we have the same morals and values, who I love. Like, And that did not change for me till 30. The one time I tried to date outside my race in my 20s, I um, had a panic attack before I went into the Papados. I swear to God, this is not this is not a lie. Yeah, a panic attack before you went to Papados. Because I thought because it was it was a bunch of black people in Papados and I knew it, and I was right. like, they're gonna look at me and they're gonna think, there she goes. They're gonna they're gonna do to me what I do to them. I was right. like, they're gonna say she always look at her. She's one of them. That's all. She don't even date her own kind. She's, she always she dates outside of her race. That's what I thought. And the guy I was with was totally comfortable because he only. From what I saw, dated black women. So he had been to Papa Do's a bunch of times. He like they knew him. Like, hey, <laughs> we had this guy. Uh, <laughs> we had this guy that went to that went to um, tech with us, and he was a football player. And he only he was a white dude, and he only dated uh, black girls. And we he was we, he was in the military, so we called him the lieutenant. <laughs> and, we would, and, we, and we would call him the nasty lieutenant, the nasty, nasty Lulu is what we called him. And like, it's what, that was his nickname. We nicknamed everybody at Tech. Clearly. We called him the, the nasty Lou dog, the nasty, nasty Lulu. And he was just always with a black chick. And he'd be like, yeah, you know, it's me in the shower when you see a pair of white feet and a pair of chocolate feet. And you know, it's me. And he, he would walk up to black women and he would oh. be like, he would be like, I love, you know, I love chocolate babies. That's what he would say. No, I hate, I, 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 I so I talk, babies. you That's know, I write about those with am I? Well, he was an athlete, but he, but, and yes, that's, that's what, that's what he was into, but he never said the chocolate babies thing. But I will tell you this <laughs> on the bachelor. And I, I wrote about this in my book uh-huh. or I wrote about it in the New York magazine article. They had me, I went up to somebody's hometown and you never normally meet the friends unless they're just like circumstances that require that and they go okay you're gonna go in the restaurant and go in this guy in in this uh restaurant and meet his friends and i go why am i meeting his friends and i go they're interracial couples aren't they 
And she just right. looked at me. And I walk in and there were black men. He was white. The guy was white that I that uh-huh. I had. Uh-huh. And there were black men with their white women. And I was pissed. You and I was them. like, no, I was pissed because they put me in a situation so we can talk about our interracial relationships. I didn't like that. And then when they <laughs> and when, when the men walked away, like when the guy walked away with his black friends, they left me at the table with the white women and they were bragging about mixed babies. Oh my God, wait till you have mixed babies. And I was like, wait until you have mixed they didn't babies? air this they didn't air this but i wrote about this i was so upset by that they were like oh mixed babies mixed babies and i don't like when people say that i don't like when people say like so this is another thing to add to how they can be problematic when people are doing it just so their children look a certain way and that right. happens a little, and that happens sadly more often than not it happens okay uh so <laughs> i don't know. I call my sister. <laughs> You're in the parking lot of Papa Do's. Like, You're actually having a full-on panic attack. I went back to the car. I just had a full panic attack. Yeah, but I, I, mean, but every, I did it. Everybody's done that, though. Everybody, like you know, if you, if you walk around with a white girl, you see black people, you literally turn into fucking vision or the shadow or somebody like that. You just like you become whatever. Like you know what I'm saying? Like vision from Marvel, like. Yes, every single black man, is. every single black man is walking with a white woman. As like, you become fucking, you like just meld into whatever it is when with a black lady. So, or you start like you know, telling her about. There's one thing that's funny is a clip from Dance Flick where he's walking with a white girl. Oh shit! <laughs> Do you remember that? The Dance movie Flick. Dance Flick. It's so funny. It. He's walking it. with that. He's walking with that girl. Dance. Flick. He goes, "Oh shit, black ladies!" And then he starts giving her directions. It's funny. <laughs> it's very funny. All right, we gotta go. Um, take your thing, cats off, but do not stop learning. And if you are walking with your white woman around <laughs> Rachel, hide that shit. She will judge you. <laughs> I'm Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. We out. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.